This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Oh, Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday. It's College football weekend, NFL weekend, but of course USC was back at home in the Coliseum late last night. I was there early this morning, actually, yeah, t- taking care of business against the Arizona State Sun Devils, moving to five and zero. The Trojans already surpassed their win total from last year. No uh, losses on the slate so far for the Lincoln Riley era. We want to talk about the game and what went right, what went wrong with the coach Harvey Hyde. He's on the line right now. We'll get to him in just a minute. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com, for all of his content. If you have any questions or comments for our show, any of the shows here on the Peristyle Podcast family of podcasts, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Let us know which show you'd like it to go to, like for Coach Hyde, for Ryan and Chris show, for the uh, recruiting show, any of those shows. Just let us know, and we will be happy to read them on the air. You can also call or text us at 424 254 91 for one, if you have that Apple podcasting app, please follow us and leave a five-star rating and review. That really does help to grow the show. And if you have some USC fans around your workplace or wherever you are, you, you know, walking around the grocery store and you see someone with the USC shirt, say, hey, you should check out the Peristyle Podcast. We'd appreciate that greatly. And someone we appreciate greatly is the coach, Harvey Hyde. We're going to get his thoughts on this game. Coach, how are you doing today on this fine Sunday afternoon? Ryan, I'm doing fine, buddy. Whenever you're 5-0, and if I was coaching, I'd feel pretty good. But again, you got to look at your overall program, where you are, with how you're playing offensively, defensively, uh, special teams, and you got to, you know, see where you are and far where you're headed, because I think the toughest part of the season is yet to come. So you got to get there in a hurry, because it's not that far away, and it all starts this weekend. I know you don't want to talk about Washington State. We won't do that, <laughs> but it all starts with Washington State this Saturday at 4.30. 100% does, Coach, and uh, we'll get to that. Uh, and, uh, it'll be an interesting one, 4.30 game uh, in the Coliseum, so back-to-back home games for the Trojans. Uh, but they are 5-0, and uh, like you mentioned, and uh, we want to get to a lot of different topics about the game and kind of where the team stands right now, but there is some kind of breaking news in the conference, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this as a former head coach. Um, we've already lost one Pac-12 South coach, and Herm Edwards was fired a couple weeks ago, and USC just played Arizona State this weekend. Uh, they had an interim head coach. Well, now Colorado, USC's opponent a few weeks from now, We'll also have an interim head coach when the two teams play. Uh, Mike Sanford's going to take that over because Carl Durrell 
was fired. Uh, Chris Wilson, the former USC defensive line coach who was a defensive coordinator there, was fired as well. But uh, Colorado, 0-5 on the season, 0-5 against the spread. Um, they just haven't been competitive in any of the games. Carl Durrell has a big buyout. There's uh, just another one, just another one of those weird things that happens. I want to get your thoughts on that, Coach. Um, Colorado, uh, parting ways with Carl Durrell. Well, he's going to be a rich man. Yeah. He's going to be a rich man. And, uh, you know, there's uh, good moments and bad moments in your career. Of course, you want to have good moments along with being a rich man at the same time because it uh, it just makes you feel good that you're earning your money, plus you're helping kids and you're helping the university and the whole package. But it's difficult uh, when you're not winning today and you're not drawing the uh, – uh, the student-athletes that you uh, need to draw as far as the recruiting and a lot of your student-athletes who are outstanding student-athletes have uh, gone into the portal. It's more or less like they've abandoned the program, and if when they abandon the program, everybody else abandons the program as far as the television doesn't want you on the networks, the fans don't want to come to the game, the people don't want to contribute to the university, nobody's happy, so what do you do? you got to make a coaching change. USC went through it. You said other schools are going to be going through it. Some have already had, like Herm Edwards. Uh, gives them a little bit of a different taste uh, as far as, yes, they are going to make a change, and uh, maybe we'll stick around to see what they do, but uh, you got to make a commitment. It's funny. Uh, after you fire a coach, you say, we're going to make a different commitment. We're going to make a real commitment to this program. Well, what have they been doing? Haven't they made that real commitment? <laughs> I mean, you know, to the poor coach they just fired or whatever, all of a sudden they've decided, the administration, to make a real commitment. Well, they got to make a real commitment if they want to compete. And, uh, of course, with all the uh, – you know, releasing going on and so on. Where does that leave Colorado? I mean, who wants them and everything else? So it's big business now. So they look at it that way too. For sure. And the, you know, the reason I want to bring this up, obviously it's news because USC is going to play Colorado, but um, we saw, you know, Sean Agoro take over for Arizona state uh, as the interim head coach, popular guy. They did not play well uh, against Utah uh, his first his first game if you remember last year Dante Williams took over and USC got their best win of the season at Washington State that first year so you got a little that first game you got a little bump from getting the interim head coach maybe it was a week delayed uh, for Arizona State they did they came out pretty flat uh, against uh, Utah Utah's a really good team but USC's a really good team and they played a lot better, especially the first half of the game. I think sort of. I, I felt like this was going to be corrected at some point, and it was after halftime. We'll get to all that, but I wanted to get your thoughts on: Did you feel like Arizona State played harder than maybe you saw them earlier in the season? Like this was sort of a game that they maybe were rallying around their interim head coach. Well, I don't know if they're rallying around their head coach, or they know he's temporary, but they do like him, and he's a nice guy, so they'll play hard for him. But I think also it's playing USC. I think that's something that rings a bell for anybody who comes in into Coliseum. Washington State will come the same way. Anybody who comes to the Coliseum, Notre Dame plays the same way in the Coliseum. Uh, a lot of the players are off in this area, so and they have a lot of friends on the team. So they have, what is, and what did Arizona State have to lose? But to let it all hang up, they're twenty-six point underdog in a football game. So. Well, what's the difference? They're going to go in and play and and try to have some fun. But one thing they did, they played real hard. They didn't embarrass themselves. They were in the game. 
they they really made it a contest, and I think they uh, can't come out of that game with a lot of pride, even though they did lose. And they're in a difficult situation with the Sun Devils because there are sanctions that come or probation that come. And these kids are loyal kids that stayed there and are playing for the university. So, you know, you got to look at it that way. And then USC, did they play well? Did they not play well? We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Well, let's start off with uh, Caleb Williams, a quarterback. And he, you know, did he had his worst game as a Trojan for sure uh, at, at, up at uh, Oregon State. He still was able to avoid a lot of sacks um, and that, you know, that really helped the team kind of keep him alive, even though his passing wasn't all that um, efficient or accurate. And he had a lot of magic in this game, coach. I mean, he avoided more sacks again. There was, you know, there was one that looked like he was just dead to rights. One play where I don't, I don't even think it went for a completion, but it, the, the, it was coming, the guy was coming on his blind side and I don't even know how Caleb Williams saw it to like move out of the way and avoid it. Like it was just like he had eyes in the back of his head. He had that probably ill-advised jump pass. There was a play that, you know, it could have been a safety there. Um, you know, threw a couple lasers across his body. I still had 44 yards rushing despite, you know, getting sacked. Um, it, it, there was a lot of magic from Caleb Williams, uh, on Saturday night. I wanted to get your thoughts on how he played. Well, obviously, he's the guy on offense. He's a miracle man. He's a magician. A magician. I mean, he he uh, gets out of situations that you don't know how he gets out of it. He's got great balance. He's a great athlete. He does have a great feel for the game as far as feeling when people are coming and what he does, spinning and dodging and so on, and still making plays and know when there's a run and where the first down markers are and uh, never gets too uh, flustered during the game. Uh, it's 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 really a Caleb Williams show. To be honest with you, what would their offense be without Caleb Williams? I don't know. I mean, they, uh, uh, Miller Moss, I think he's a great football player, but if he'd have been in there with all that type of pass rush going on and so on, man, nine one one, because it's just not the same athletic kid. He's a great kid, but it's the wrong offense for him. And, you know, one thing that Lincoln Riley has had is always an athletic quarterback. And he has been able to make things happen that way. To me, uh, it was uh, a step better than Oregon State. But again, no real rhythm uh, as far as with the running game and trying to keep him out of the pocket and maybe doing more play action pass off the bootleg and getting the run going. Where he has an option to run pass rather than this little right inside and then stay in the cup where people can come after him. But again... Uh, He's a great kid, a great player, got a great feel for the game. I agree with you. He does everything wrong that you're supposed to do and makes it happen right. Uh, that's because he's got a feel for the game, just like you said, that jump uh, pass out of the end zone that was completed. I mean, he couldn't – I don't know if he could do that ever again. He might be able to. <laughs> I mean, I can't say never with this kid, okay? No. But he's athletic, and he's good, and he's a leader, and he's a winner. And what I mean by a winner – he makes the play that makes the difference every time a first down or he gets that extra effort or when he needs the pass to be completed, it is completed. I mean, he's just a winner and he makes it happen. And, you know, I don't know uh, what they'd be without him. Yeah. And, you know, he did have his first turnover, USC's first turnover of the season, ill-advised throw into the end zone, double coverage. And it didn't seem like him and Addison were on the same page, but uh, that was a, it was sort of like a surreal moment. Like, Wow. They, you know, he actually turned the ball over once. 
Um, maybe not a bad thing in the long run. You kind of keep, you know, keep that going, but you hope they don't come in, uh, in waves, I guess. But any thoughts on that first turnover? Well, it's going to happen. And sometimes when it happens, it makes it easier for you as a quarterback. You know, you're not going to be, you got to do what you got to do. You got to throw passes that sometimes that aren't wide open. You can't be thinking, oh, I can't throw that because I might ruin my record as far as number of completions and no interceptions. But that happens, and it's going to happen to every quarterback. I don't care who you are. So it happened. It'll happen again. You just hope that it doesn't break your back or put you in a bad position. And you've got to have that type of attitude that you're not afraid to throw the football. And and big-time players make big-time plays. And this is part of the gamble that you have with a big-time player. Part of the reason that he needed to be on the move and escape the pressure so much is because there was significant amount of pressure on Caleb Williams. And there was a, you know, a little bit of mix up on the offensive line. We know Justin Dietrich has been banged up for a couple of weeks and he did not get the the start. He didn't play in this one. Gino Quinones comes in, remember cover him at the uh, Polynesian bowl in Hawaii. Um, but he gets the start, uh, at guard there. We also saw, you know, uh, Lake McCree wasn't in there, so Josh Fallow was was getting the start at tight end. We saw Bobby Hos- Haskins start at left tackle, but we also saw Cortland Ford at least for a while, and then he gave up. Uh, he had a holding call against him that wiped out a, like an 82 yard bomb from Caleb Williams to Mario Williams. So that those stats just wiped away, and we didn't see him the rest of the game. And it might have just been that he was you know not 100, percent and they just decided to sit him for the rest of it, or it could be a permanent thing. I don't know, but. Definitely some shakeup and even the blitz pickups from, you know, steady, uh, the, you know, the, the running backs have been really good blockers, but I know Austin Jones was upset. He gave up a sack once and came out of the game. So there was, there was a lot of, you know, some, some issues protecting Caleb Williams. Didn't seem to bother him, but there were a lot. Any thoughts on, I know you watch all this stuff on how he's protected the offensive line, you know, even up, even opening up holes for the run game, any of that. Yes. Uh, I tweet out after every quarter what I think should be going on, and I think they gave up on the running game a little bit too early. You can't allow people to come up the field like that on you. You've got to be able to have play action, kick that guy out, come around and run their blast-off tackle, their power-off tackle, and not always run inside, but uh, get your backs involved in the game. I mean, uh, that will hold the rush off of for uh, Kayla Williams. you gotta, you got to help the kid out. He's been doing miracle plays, and you know, that's just my opinion. I think you're, bag, uh, you're just grabbing here or there. I hope you're not just trying to get stats as far as trying to get him the Heisman Trophy or whatever. But uh, he, he'll be in the running for it. I'll, I'm going to tell you that. But you got to, I think, be more balanced a little bit. I mean, it's pass, pass, pass. You know, you get down there in a one or two-yard line or four-yard line. Uh, to me, you got to have the confidence to run the football into the end zone. You're just bigger and stronger and meaner than they are, Okay. And I don't really see that philosophy. I see it now a little bit. And I don't want to say this, but a little bit getting back to like the air raid type of attack as far as throwing more than what you need to throw. But you've got great running backs. You've got Travis Dye. He runs two, uh, two games for two, uh, 100 yards back-to-back, and he had a great game. He was starting to have a great game yesterday. Every play isn't going to score a touchdown in the running game. But what it does, it helps you set up other things in the passing game. And uh, I just like to see them run the football a little bit more. And I know that, uh, and I'm not sure just how much help. Uh, Coach Lincoln Riley, he runs a whole show offensively. 
if you watch, if he does the whole thing, there's nobody talks to him. I mean, they might do the headsets. I don't know, but the offensive line coach isn't saying anything. He's standing back. He runs the whole offense the whole time. So it's his show. He knows it and he should run it, but he's a quarterback coach. He's the head football coach and he's the offensive coordinator. Now he's been very, very successful. They probably wish he was still in Oklahoma instead of sending him out of here the way they sent him out rudely. But he has his own style of doing things, and it works. So for me to say he should be doing this more than doing that, I don't know. But to me, as far as watching the game, I would think it would be more balanced to help Caleb Williams by running off tackle a little bit more, kicking out those guys coming up the field, show pass and send your tackles down on the linebackers and trap the defensive guy out. I do so many different type of things when they ran the the uh, draw in the middle of the field when he stepped back and ran right up the middle of the field. I had just tweeted that out. Run some draws, keep everybody honest so they can't come screaming up the field. Now early in the game they ran those quick screens. They really worked well, but they got the ball with the running back. So you know, I'm just saying, you know, it looks like a little bit helter skelter to me because it looks like there's so many people going on the field offensively and so many people coming off the field offensively and I know they have a scheme depending what plays being called and I'm assuming the way they do the rotation because you got 10 guys catching passes on the receivers so I don't know how what the rotation is but there's got to be a play that's being called in a certain formation that certain receivers are in the game otherwise I have no idea what they're doing you see Ford in the game and you might not see him for two games so I really don't know what they're doing with that. Yeah, we'll see. There's definitely some health issues on the offensive line. We don't know how deep they are. We saw uh, Mason Murphy come in uh, at the left tackle spot. We've now seen Gino Quinones come in uh, left guard or right guard there. So, um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see where where that develops. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Um, a lot of gashing, man. We, the defense was the hero. And for everyone that's being very critical of the defense, USC doesn't win against Oregon State without – Incredible play by this defense. And they got completely gashed in the first half of this one. Forced that one field goal, but no punts from Arizona State. Um, they looked like a whole different team going up and down the field. And then way better in the second half. I mean, it was, uh, I mean, I think eight yards of play or something like that that Arizona State averaged in the first half. And uh, it was about three yards of play in the second half. And those first couple drives, like, I don't think they got a yard. It was like a point, you know, a fraction of a yard uh, total. In the first first couple of drives, there was that weird, really weird drive where you know USC had a couple of interceptions that they dropped. Demonte Jackson's not only did he not intercept the ball, but the the wide receiver for Arizona State who's lying on the ground, literally on his back, the ball lands in his chest and he is able to catch it, and that's a third down conversion. So there were some weird plays. There's two pass interference, and we're going to talk about officiating in a minute. You know, phantom pass interference calls that looked like really good defensive plays. So that was a weird drive. They give up a touchdown in the second half. But outside of that, um, it seemed like they made adjustments. The The outside runs that were so successful uh, in the first half weren't working. It looked like there was a lot more pressure at the line of scrimmage, and and they weren't kind of sitting back and letting Arizona State run at them. They were, they were you know, bringing the attack to them. So I felt they played a lot better in the second half. I want to get your overall thoughts, Coach, on how the defense played and, you know, if you saw a big difference first the second half. Well, I think if they did any adjustment at all, they pinched their ends down inside uh, more. They pinch off the inside, and uh, 
the linebackers sort of scrape and would take the outside. Um, uh, I think that they're trying to make many adjustments uh, on the defensive side of the football because they just uh, are grabbing what I mean. They're asking, here's what they're doing. They're asking the kids to really play hard. Play hard, and that'll make up for the indifferences of who we are on defense. Our playing hard will make up sometimes in places where we might be inferior as far as talent is concerned. Undersized, not quick as, as quick, but play hard, and we'll rotate you. And that's what they do with the defensive line. They ask them to play hard, rotate. They rotate them in, in and out of the entire size. Sometimes a game they're undersized in there. Uh, where they need some bigger, stronger kids, but the kids really play hard. They really play hard. Some people are on the field that uh, you think, this is USC, uh, there should be different type of caliber player out there, but they don't have that. They haven't had a chance to put that together, so they're asking the kids to really play hard, and that's what they're doing. And uh, they've lived by, on the success of their defense, turnovers. And they've been able to do that. And last night was a fortunate night where they were able to stop Arizona State in key positions and then also give them opportunities in key positions, like you mentioned, the pass interferences and so on. But they're giving up, I think, far too much as far as yardage, uh, drives, uh, time of possession, which is somewhat equal, don't get me wrong, but still time of possession, if you're going to be the sixth-ranked team in the country. If you're the sixth-ranked team in the country, you got to be able to annihilate and kick somebody's butt, okay? And right now, I don't see that happening. I don't see them lining up or taking the white flag out and saying it's over with. It's not that way. They're in the game all the way up till the end of the game almost. So defensively, to me, and I said it till day one, I said it, when I after saw the first game, because we haven't seen them at practice, that the defense is suspect. And I still tell you, it's suspect. And the worst is yet to come. So we'll find out just how good they are. Because I watched UCLA, and I was on the field in the Rose Bowl Friday night and watched them. They're a good football team. Utah's going to come right at you. They're a good football team. Washington State's going to spread the field and go after you. And if you want to go score for score, they'll want to match you score for score. And uh, so I I think that uh, Notre Dame's going to be a better football team. So... I think USC, when you say, are they going to get better defensively? I think they're limited on how good they can get. All right. Um, yeah, we we kind of got some of your thoughts on that last week as well. So we'll see. Yeah, they got some good offenses coming up. Uh, Washington State, Utah. So we'll see how they do. One of the big concerns, and I tend to talk about special teams a lot for whatever reason, is special teams. And Man, coach, like it started off. I think they, you know, took uh, fair catches for the kickoffs. I'm like, that's better. Like you're getting the ball at 25. Every time they seem to return a ball, it's uh, you don't get out to the 25. Well, two penalties on kickoff returns end up uh, USC starts at their own five and their own six. They gave up, uh, you know, allowed Arizona State to convert a onside kick that was called back because of a penalty. Uh, I guess you're not allowed to block. They said it was like a illegal block, but I think you're not allowed to block before the ball is recovered. I don't, I don't know, something like that. But that, no, until the ball goes ten yards, you can't block. Yeah, so there was that. I mean, um, you know, problems with just a lot of special teams issues. And I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on how special, what you think about the special teams. There's no special teams coordinator. 
And people are arguing like, well, you know, USC had a special teams coordinator and they still were bad on special teams. If you're going to be bad on special teams, I'd rather you not waste a coach on special teams. At least you can have an excuse like, well, we didn't have anyone coaching <laughs> so full time. But when you're bad on special teams and you have someone coaching it full time, that's probably, you know, that's uh, I, w- I would tweet it out like USC. If USC had a special teams coordinator, he would be on the hot seat right now. But any thoughts on special teams, coach? Well, special teams is one third of the game. It's field position. It's everything. Uh, and uh, there are a lot of teams that don't have a special teams coach. I always had a special teams coach. I thought it was that important uh, because you've got to have someone that makes it like your offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, puts a pride into it and spends the time in preparing the kids for it and the coaches who assist him in the special teams coaching part of the special teams. And is really uh, talk, talking with your special teams even before you need the special teams. Not coaching their position and all of a sudden the punt team goes in there when he's been coaching the offensive line or whatever. So you, I, I just think a special teams is, uh, coach is something you got to have. And I think right now because of certain circumstances that there's one extra coach on the field. And if that one extra coach wasn't on the field, then they'd have a special teams coach. I really believe that. And I think that's the first thing that he will have when he has a chance to hire somebody. But right now, it's not under that circumstance, and he felt he had to do it this way, and that's what he was more or less put in that position to do this. Now, as far as some of the, the mental decisions that people do, that's just part understanding the game and knowing when the fair catch and when not the fair catch and when not the clip and when not to push or push somebody behind the back and become, I call it, a half-speed All-American. When somebody's not looking, you try to do something. So, you know, and uh, as far as those, I don't know. I mean, you know, what can I say? Uh, they haven't had any real field goals blocked. Uh, they're they're okay like, in the field They gave goal. up like a couple big returns, you know, like missed tackles the returns. The, the, the USC starting their own, you know, their own five and their own six on a couple of drives when you're getting a kickoff. Yeah, that's it's just, stupid. Yeah. I mean, you're just, that's just plain stupid. You know, that just what you do is you say, if you're going to play, you're going to do it this way. You don't play them. That's all. I'd rather have a guy just put in a safety and let me just fair catch it. Oh, yeah. And there was uh, leech, you know? yeah. Jordan Addison muffed the punt and they had to like jump on that. It's just nothing has been clean when you're watching special teams and you have good athletes. So I don't I just it's hard for me to understand. But at this point, you're just like, just fair catch everything. Your offense is really good. Get them the ball wherever you are, and it'll be fine. It's way better than you trying to make a play and then digging yourself into a hole or turning the ball over or whatever. Right. We used to call that play safe. Just play safe. I'd rather play safe than make a mistake and get ourselves in a hole. Just play safe. Go in there and don't let the ball roll. Or just, uh, you know, do the fair catch uh, on the kickoff. It's in the end zone, or you're going to catch it on the one-yard line. Play the percentage. Yeah. Uh, don't come out. Just so then, fair catch it. We'll take the ball in the 25. No yeah. no chance of a penalty or anything else. Instead of putting Caleb Williams in a position to avoid a sure safety and do a jump pass, and you know, like you don't need him to be Superman in that. You're just putting him in a much tougher spot. Now, he could still do it, but you'd rather have him just start at the 25 without having to try to make a play from his own end zone, knowing that, you know, it's do or die. Um, oh, absolutely. And what about the momentum of the game? You build up the other guys, uh, you know, in momentum and everything else. You know, when you when you go in the in the game, you're you've got to be if you're a USC, you got to be very careful on what you do. And if you're a defensive guy, you're fired up. Yeah. 
Um, real quick, too, on the, the officiating was pretty bad. I couldn't tell how bad the pass interference calls were against USC. And I guess when uh, you know, there was a pass interference call against Arizona State, too, it seemed like the officials were a big part of this. It seemed like old school Pac-12 officiating, good defensive plays. They're getting flags. And then Caleb Williams gets squirted in the face by a bench player from Arizona State. It's on national television, and there's no flag. Like, literally, the guy squirts his water bottle into the face mask of Caleb Williams, the highest profile player in the conference. And that doesn't get a flag. So I, that was a weird one for me too. I agree with you hundred uh, percent. That was uh, sort of, uh, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. If I would have been uh, the coach uh, and he was my player, I'd have ripped him. You know that, that poor, poor sportsmanship and so on. It didn't seem to bother Caleb that much. He sort of looked at him and looked at the official like, What's that? But uh, nothing was called, and that's what happens. Uh, at least he ran away, and he didn't let it bother him. But the pass interference penalties, I want you to know, I agree with you 100%. I don't think they know what they're calling. <laughs> I mean, I, I really I really don't know. I think that if it's close, they're going to call it. If it's close, they're going to call it. They're going to give the doubt to the offensive player. I really believe that. A defensive player can make a great play, and because the guy didn't catch it, or if, it was, if it's the same type contact period, they're going to throw the flag. And they did that, I think, three times last night. Three times they got pass interference. I think was one of them in the end zone and two were, uh, where they got two back-to-back almost down there. Yeah, and one of them just, was in the end zone. That was on the, 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 the only second-half scoring drive for Arizona State. And there was one that kept a USC drive alive, too, that didn't. I, I, I was told also didn't look like pass interference. So it was... It was just they're calling, you know, good defensive plays, P.I. Yeah, you know what they're doing? We call it over-officiating. Let the kids play, would you please? Let the kids play. Don't try. Remember, you're not, you're not, uh, you're not the star of the show. Uh, let the kids play, and if there is a, a pass interference, call it. If you're not sure, don't call it. Yeah. And uh, that's the way I look at it. 100%. And then uh, uh, one quick thing. The AP and coaches, coaches pull are both out, and USC is number six in both. So I just want to let you guys know that. Why don't we take a quick break because we've got some questions to get to, and we'll be back in a minute. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right. We're back here on the Parastel Podcast with Ryan Abraham and the coach Harvey Hyde. I got a voicemail for you, coach. Hello, Don from Upland, California. I'm tired of hearing the statement. There's some stuff we have to clean up concerning USC's defense week after week. 
Obviously, this isn't happening. USC's defense is giving up a lot of large chunk plays week after week, which will eventually cause them to lose if the offense doesn't bail them out. If the defense continues to play poorly, I see them losing to Utah and UCLA. Finally, number 10, who committed blocking in the back penalties on two back-to-back kickoffs, should not be on the kickoff team. Well, uh, uh, let me put it to you this way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all we all notice the, the efficiencies in a football team. You notice that probably more than sometimes you notice the good things in a football team. Uh, obviously, they do some things right too. Because they're five and zero. And uh, they do some things that they're going to have to improve on if they want to continue to be undefeated because they're, uh, that's just what it's all about. Now, I agree with you. If you have too many unnecessary penalties, like you mentioned, uh, then a guy should not be on that team because he can't use good judgment, okay? He's not using good judgment. He's trying to try, but maybe he's trying too hard. I'm not saying he's a bad kid. But he shouldn't be on there because he can't make a quick decision, okay, on what's right and what's wrong. So I agree with you 100% there. As far as the defensive side of it and what you're talking about, we just somewhat talked about it, discussed about it here a minute ago. There's a limit on how good you can get when, you have, when you're limited on just the type of players you have. You can coach the heck out of them and try to put them in different positions and so on, but you know, sometimes other guys, big guys, bigger than your big guy. Your his X is bigger than your O. So there's not much you can do with that except teach him to play hard, and then rotate him and hope that good things come to you because of the effort your players are giving you. But on the defensive side of the football, I think they're lacking in certain areas, and uh, and I think a lot of the publicity has hurt this team and the bad publicity because hey, when when I don't know how many of you think that USC is the sixth ranked team in the country? And I'm not trying to put down USC, but in my poll that I do, I don't have them sixth in the country. I don't think they can play with some of the teams that are above them currently right now. I mean, yeah, they played some teams. I mean, they played rice that rice won this weekend. They played Stanford who is Stanford beat Fresno state. loses to UConn last night. Oregon state got beat of course by Utah, which is a heck of a football team. And, and uh, USC played so-so, really so-so against ASU. So to say they're sixth, the sixth-ranked team in the country, I say, man, could they really beat Mississippi and Lane Kiffin? I don't know how many of you watch those games, the Mississippi-Kentucky game or some of these other games in the country, but to be put them up that high, that's hard on the team because sometimes that team just can't reach that expectation. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it, I think most of college football is flawed. Even Georgia last night looked like uh, a team that could lose to Missouri. So, I mean, everyone's got their their warts. Um, we'll see what, you know, this will shake itself out in the next couple of weeks for sure if USC can play well against those teams, like you mentioned. Steve uh, sent a message in. Uh, he had two questions. I would like your coach's thoughts on the performance of two players. First, he said, Shane Lee appears to be performing poorly in pass coverage, is late filling the gaps on run plays, and at times appears slow and lost in the backfield. What's your assessment of his strengths and weaknesses? And then he says, Austin Jones looks like he got pulled after a poor block that led to a Caleb Williams sack. What are you seeing with regards to Austin Jones? 
Well, you know, a lot of times you make emotional emotional decisions when you're a coach and a guy misses a big block and you, you take it out on him. He didn't miss it on purpose. Sometimes guys are just bigger and stronger and you weren't in the correct position and you didn't get in the right position to, to block the guy. So you made a mistake. He didn't do that on purpose, but sometimes you do that. A guy makes a mistake or make gives a or does something stupid in the game with a penalty or something that stops a big play and you just pull him. It's pulling you're not going to play. In your mind, you do that. And you've got other two running backs that can fill and go in there and play. And sometimes you do that. And I'm not saying that's what they did, but possibly that's what you do. Uh, you you make quick decisions, and you and some kids, uh, you just you just move on. You don't have time to discuss it. Hey, if you don't know better than that or can't block, and I've taught you how to do this, hey, then you don't need to play so you don't do it again, and then I have to get mad at you again, okay? Go over there and watch the game. I'll call you if I need you. And or we need you. So you know you got you got to look at it that way. And and the, uh, what was the second kid? Oh, the linebackers. Yeah, Shane well, the Lee. linebackers. Yeah, really. I mean, really, uh, he can't run that well. He's six one, two hundred forty five pounds. Now, how is he going to cover a, a circle route with a running back? I mean, be realistic. I mean, they match it up perfectly. They timed it. They hit him. I mean, uh, that's the way it goes. I mean. Sometimes I feel when you play a team like that, it's better to if you can get the pass rush, and they're not being able to do that all the time, is to play zone, rush three, and play zone behind it where the guy really has to throw the ball perfectly and there's no big plays, but keep the ball in front of you and, and play that way. But to play man on a, a kid you know you can't cover if they run that route, you know that, is a difficult thing to do. And maybe in a passing type of situation, You've got to substitute him out of the game and bring in somebody else, a linebacker type safety, strong safety to play his position. But so many tackles are being made by the secondary, and the linebackers, of course, are making tackles, but after somebody's made four or five yards, so they stay on schedule. You've got to be able to scrape to the holes. You've got to have penetration. You've got to stop the play before it gets started. And currently, right now, they're not doing that at the level they should be doing that. You watch Utah. They'll come in and they'll spread you out, or these other teams, and they'll take you man to man and blokes block zone and whatever they do, and uh, uh, try to blow you off the line of scrimmage, and and then push you right back into their linebackers. For the linebackers are making now the tackles eight yards deep, and the secondary is making a lot of your tackles. So, you know, you got to have the upfront guys, and if you don't have the upfront guys, it ain't going to get done that way. Yeah. All right, uh, we got two more. We'll let you go. First is a voicemail, Coach. Curtis from Moreno Valley, really proud of the team. And I have a thought. Remember when we had to play against Stanford and they had that mesh concept that we had never seen and couldn't stop it until maybe the second half? Well, we're doing that. We're hiding something. I think they're going to break it out on Utah. Reverses. We haven't seen any reverse with motion handoffs since the spring game. I don't believe we've scrapped it. We have too many weapons. I think Utah is going to see that, and they will have not practiced against it, and they've never seen us do it. It'll be night-night Utah. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Curtis, you bring up a good point. We haven't seen it since they did it in the spring. 
Uh, we saw one or two of those in the spring, and I really like those plays because they have great guys that can run it, quick, fast guys, and go against the drain and jet sweep and all these different things, uh, counter plays. We haven't seen any of that uh, this fall. Uh, I don't think they've run a reverse the entire fall in any way to hold the backside or spread the field or, or so on. I'm, I'm surprised, but obviously it wasn't in the game plan. Uh, but the other defenses are swarming, and I think they'd be there. There's so many. That's why uh, Caleb is running the football so successfully, too, because he gets to the outside and he can run. Now, if you got the running backs uh, running and him coming out, now you really hold the whole defense one side with him, bootlegging, and the other side having to hold back for any type of reverse or counter or something. But we haven't seen that. Obviously, Lincoln Riley has his reasons for that. Maybe it's saving it, but there's some situations I've seen when you don't need to save anything. You better do it to win one game at a time. All right, Coach, we got one last question for you. It's from our buddy Dan, class of 1962. She says, it's always a sign of really good coaching when teams can make second-half adjustments, as the Trojans have done this year on both the offense and defensive sides of the ball. He said, especially on defense. Last night was a great example of the defense adjusting to the Arizona State run game and stopping it, thereby getting third down stops finally. However, my question for Coach is, why not make the adjustments during the game? Can't you change defensive schemes between quarters or even when the offense is on the field? Thanks for your insights. Fight on and keep uh, winning. And Fight on and finally keep winning. Dan, class of 62. You can make adjustments during the game, and you, you normally do. You normally do as far as your coordinators talk to your offensive line coach and you get together. And you make those necessary changes. And, and that's something if you don't do, you can't wait till halftime. It might be too late. Now, I, I'm hoping they're communicating with each other and making the necessary changes that have to be made on the defensive side of the football and the offensive side of the football. If they're not, they're missing the boat. I had John Shaw, a former UCLA player, on my show this morning. And we were talking about that. And he told me that in the Rose Bowl game, where they, when they were playing the number one team in the country, Michigan State, Dick Vermeil, who he played for, and he was a quarterback there. He said he went in at halftime and they changed the entire, not partial game plan, the entire game plan. He called everybody in. They were down at half, I think it was 17-3. And he drew up a whole new offense, whole new deep. This is what we're going to run. Without even practicing it, they went out, and if you remember, they upset Michigan State and won that football game. There's times you need to say, this isn't working and we can't keep doing it, so we're going to do this. What do you have to lose? And in that situation, it worked. So I think that during the game, you have all different types of adjustments you have to do. And if you're not doing it, you're hurting yourself and you're hurting the team, but you can't waste one play. Now, that makes sense, Coach. Um, I think you, you know, you're a coach. You're constantly making adjustments. But sometimes it's easier to sort of like – reevaluate things at the half, right? Where you're like, okay, well. It might be too late. might yeah, be too late. It could be too late, yeah. Um, but, yeah, they, they did, definitely came out. And, I, you know, I asked uh, I asked uh, Kalen Bullock after the game about, you know, what you changed at halftime. And he was just like, oh, you know, it, it, he was saying there wasn't a lot of change that happened. But to me, just looking at it, it looked like they were bringing more pressure. They were containing the edge better. I, I just felt like they were crowding the line of scrimmage more than what they were doing before. But they at least uh, Bullock didn't say that, but it, it, I don't know if you saw the same thing, but that's kind of what I was seeing. Well, I agree with you. A lot of times you think because they play better, you made a lot of changes, and really you really didn't make a lot of changes. You just 
you know, went over techniques of what they're doing out of certain formations and how to cover it and different coverages and so on. And again, when you have an athletic quarterback uh, like Arizona State has and others have, it really causes you a problem. I mean, you know, you you take a look at Caleb Williams. That's the greatest example there is. Look, they have him defense, but he he doesn't make, doesn't make any difference to him. And the same thing with other athletic quarterbacks. You can run the best defense with the greatest techniques and spies and everything else, but doesn't make any difference. You just make things happen. And uh, sometimes it's very difficult defensively to make the necessary changes because if you don't get to the quarterback and if you don't make the tackle and you give him extra time, he's going to beat you because they're game uh, breakers. They're going to make it happen on you. And you cannot give them an extra opportunity because once they start running and they're looking at the field, the receivers have all learned to come back to him, run to the open area, and he'll find you. And that's exactly what you work on in practice every day. When he's flushed out of the pocket, find the open area, and he's looking for you. Yeah. All right, Coach. Well, good stuff. Um, I will take away that you called Caleb Williams a magic man. I like that. But also a leader and a winner, and I think he is all those things. They they needed him badly. They needed USC's defense to play great against Oregon State. They needed Caleb Williams to play great against Arizona State, and they got both of those. So at the end of the day, you're 5-0. and and that's all you can ask for. There are a lot better, you know, more wins this season than you had all of last year. So, like, you can lose the rest of your games and still improve it. But obviously, they have higher goals than that uh, when you put this kind of uh, team together. You're trying, you know, we'll see. And we'll, we'll get some good, uh, good evaluate, uh, opportunity to evaluate how this team is and how they've developed when they play Washington State at home and then in Salt Lake City uh, against Utah. But, Coach, thanks again for coming on. Uh, make sure you check out his stuff over at harveyhide.com. And uh, thank you again. It was always fun talking to you, Coach. Thank you, uh, Ryan. I really appreciate it. And, and let me get let me just mention this. Hey, 5-0 is something a lot of teams in the country would like to be right now, okay? And I certainly would want to be 5-0 too. But as a football coach, you look at what you're doing wrong better more than what you're looking at what you're doing right. Because you've got to pick up the little things that aren't working for you to make, make it all happen. And that's why when I talk to you, I talk to you like it's a Sunday morning staff meeting. Well, I'm saying we got to do this, we got to do that. We can't do that, but we got to do this better. Uh, otherwise, we will not achieve our goal, which is winning a football game. So that's why I am who I am, and that's why I talk to you all like I talk to you, and it's just my opinion that what's going on. All right, Coach. Great stuff. That is the Coach. I am Ryan. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you're listening, we're going to have our television show Sunday nights and replayed, and you can hear that on the podcasting platforms you're listening to this on. And Chris Trevino and I will have a podcast coming out on Tuesday as usual. And we will simulcast that on YouTube as well if you wanted to watch it live. Usually Tuesday afternoons around uh, 1, 1 something in that range. Uh, we'll have a recruiting podcast. So lots of stuff coming up this week as always. So hope you enjoyed this show and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.